The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A touch more. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! Georgia's Pop. Welcome to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And it's a good day to be a Yankee fan. Not a good day to, like, I guess just be a person. To be alive. Yeah, what a shitty time to be alive. So, we're going to talk baseball. Um, But first, I just, like, I, I don't know, I feel a responsibility. I've been on the internet for seven years being an internet, I guess, personality or whatever it is. Uh, I've tweeted some, but as much as we want to be just this place where you can unplug from the rest of the world and just talk about baseball and just worry about, you know, why Giancarlo Stanton hurt, um, as most of you know, both myself and Nick live in Philly. Uh, And it's happening all over the world, but, like, we are – I mean, we're in like a race war uh, right here, uh, with especially like in Philly. Um, if you search Fishtown on Twitter, which is the neighborhood I live in, you can see several of my neighbors uh, decided last night that the best thing to do was to take to the streets with bats and axes. Um, and there were people standing on businesses and or on residential houses with AR-15s. Uh, Pennsylvania is a very gun-friendly state, uh, so it was kind of bound to get there eventually. Uh, I, I don't, I can't speak for for everyone. Um, I'm pretty sure I know how Nick feels on this, but any kind of injustice is just that. It's an injustice. Um, what had happened with George Floyd is a terrible thing. Um, I have always been a supporter of the police uh, as a white male. If I see cops, I've always known it's a safe place. You know, I, I'm in a safe place. Um, I've obviously never been black. I've never been Hispanic. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be in fear every day. Uh, but I support, you know, the protests. You need to go out. You need to protest if it's something that, like, you you feel passionate about. Uh, you should go out there and exercise those rights. Um, I can even, to a certain extent, like, the first night in Minnesota when, like, a target got caught on fire, like, I don't know, being white, I've said, like, ah, it got out of control, you know, a night out drinking or, like, stuff that if I wasn't white, I would have been in way more trouble. Like, ah, just got out of control. Um that's kind of what I chalk that, you know, I'm willing to chalk that up to, uh, but like looting, uh, there, there's, in my mind, there are different groups of people. There are protesters and there are rioters and the people who are out protesting, especially during the, it seems like it's almost been like a day shift, night shift during the day. 
They're out. They're protesting. They are getting their voices heard, and I think it's amazing. At night, there are people who want some free sneakers, want some free whatever, and they're breaking into stuff. One block away from me, uh, there was a sneaker store that was looted. The other block uh, last night, uh, there was an ATM outside a diner that was blown up at 2 a.m. So all really all I'm saying is, like, be smart with what you do out there. Uh, it's very easy to let the looters take away from what the protesters are trying to say. Don't let them do that. Um, what happened in Minneapolis is wrong. What's happened time and time again is wrong. All cops are not bad. All black people are not bad. All white people are not bad. All anything is not bad except bad people. All bad people are bad. Um, so just take some time. Listen to what's going on out there. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't jump to be angry at another group. Hear them out. Um, see what you know. What is going on? Uh, if you see something that's wrong, say something about it. This is a time where we're either all going to stand up for like what we believe in, what we think is right, or we're just going to kind of let things happen. Um, personally, I don't want to just let things happen. As someone who has a, a young child and tries to do good stuff, you know, lately it's been dogs. I run a charity in New York. Like I'm, I'm trying to do good in the world. I hope you will all do the same. But at the same time, if you happen to listen to this and you're one of those people who thinks like, well, I'm going to go steal some shit, just don't do it. I mean, I, I saw a sneaker store get totally robbed next to a grocery store, next to two dollar stores. So it's not like they're going in and stealing food. You know, Aladdin stole a loaf of bread. He didn't steal a, a pair of Jordans. Um, we felt to not acknowledge what's going on would be wrong and short-sighted and, and really just white of us to ignore it. Um, so fully support all the people who are out there protesting or protesting in the right way. I will say this. If you're white and you want to go out there and you want to protest and you want to support these people, go out there and do that and support them and listen to them and listen to what they're saying. Don't be the fat white girl in the front screaming in a cop's face that's going to end up getting someone else hurt. Don't be the person in the back who throws a brick or a bottle at a cop and gets someone else shot with a rubber bullet. Or like we saw in New York, there were people protesting. They're standing in front of a cop car. People start throwing bricks, Molotov cocktails at that cop car. You're probably going to get hit by that cop car if you're standing in front of it. But you're not the person doing it. So if you see someone else doing it, stop them. Let's keep this peaceful. There's a way we can turn kind of the world around. But for now, we're in a uh, we're in a race war in a pandemic. Jesus Christ, how's it going, Nick? I'm good, man. Couldn't uh, couldn't have said it better. Obviously, uh, we all we all agree what happened to to Mr. Floyd was horrible. Uh, I support peaceful protesting just like you do. And and like you said, you know, the guy dressed up as the Joker running around with an axe has nothing to do with with Mr. Floyd and has nothing to do with any kind of justice or peaceful peaceful protesting. So it's tough to see, you know, people that, like you said, are taking away, taking advantage of the situation. And, and like you said, don't get it twisted. You know, it's it's not all the same same movement with some of these these creeps that are running around with axes and bats here in Philly dressed up like I don't even know what the purge or, or whatever the hell it is. So just trying to separate all that, man, and just trying to take it one day at a time. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, hopefully it all, you know, stops soon or the, the right people are listening or the president does something besides stage photo shoots outside of churches. Um but we might have baseball. Let's, we might. Let's we talk might. about it. Let's talk yeah. about it. So since last week, and I did, we got like DMs on Instagram when the players went back. That was like, you said you'd have a show. I'm expecting one tomorrow. And I was like, no, we said we'd have, we have a deal. These guys fucking jerk at each other back. And forth. These guys politely saying fuck you to each other back and forth through the media. We're not going to hop on an emergency podcast about, but a lot's happened in the last week. Well, a lot has maybe happened. Maybe, maybe. Yes. And passing tweets yesterday, turn on Sports Center. And I don't know what you thought when you saw it, but I thought, all right, we got a deal. Jeff passing tweets, turn on Sports Center to his million followers. I'm thinking we got a deal. And I turn it on, and they're talking about maybe opening up basketball. Uh, passing a you now he eventually comes on. He talks about the 50 to 60 game thing, um, going from 114 back to 60. And I guess the idea is that the owners 
you know, they will prorate if it's only for a low amount of games. That seems to be where the compromise would be coming from. Yeah, so let's kind of go through the whole week. So yeah. last week was kind of that the spit in the face. Here's what you guys should do. And I, what we didn't piece together, and I didn't really think about it, was the owners essentially said, we're going to pay you less money, and here's how you should divvy it up. Like, we're not yeah. going to give you everything we owe you, and here's how you should spend that money, which is an insult. And then we had Max Scherzer, who is one of – he's on the eight-person council of you know representing this – has said, we're not even responding to that proposal. We'll put together our own proposal, but we're not going to respond to this one because it's so crazy. And then as you started to look at the March agreement, there's been a big focus on – the, the March agreement says prorated salaries, like the player, we as the players will not look for a full salary, we'll look for prorated salaries, and then there's the whole thing of like, you know, if things change, like in good faith, you know, should we negotiate, uh, the, like we would negotiate, and which the players are saying like, yep, yeah, in good faith, I guess we will negotiate, open up your books, that's good faith, like we'll negotiate, you show us what you got, back and forth. And then I read an article that pointed out this genius idea that the players had, which was instead of just saying no, they went back and said, we'll play more games. You still pay us for however many games we play, but we'll play more so you can make more money. Also, and to which the owners would say, well, in the agreement from March, it says we pick how many games you play because it does. So the players essentially said, well, if you want to talk about our half, let's talk about your half. So now from a public standpoint, the Major League Baseball Players Association has said, we want to play 114 games. And the owners have said, we have now come back and said 50 or 60. So in the court of public opinion, the owner, the players tried to give us more, which I think they is smart. Yeah, they did, and it kind of just feels like they're going to end up right back in the middle at 81, which is what we've been saying the whole time. I mean, 114 and 50, do the math, you know, it's, it's around 81 is kind of the halfway point. So that's where it seems where it's heading from my perspective. I mean, 50 games is not enough. The owners know that. The players know that. Everybody knows that. 50 games, I mean, that'd be the equivalent of playing four football games. It's, it's really not enough. It's nothing. Yeah, I, like, that's not a baseball season. It's almost like... The owners have, hey, we've got this much money to spend. What can it get me? I guess exactly. I'm driving out of here with a Civic. Exactly, exactly. I was thinking like I was using the TV example in my head. You know, I guess I'm walking out of here with a 28-inch with a instead of a big screen. But, yeah, they're saying this is the money that we have and, and, you know, the player. And they're like, you know, you want to get paid per game? Fine, 55 games. Now, like I said, I do think – the owners will relent a little bit to, to 70 or 80 because you got to remember the owners are going to lose TV money. You know, they make less money off the TV deals if there's only 50 as opposed to 80. So counterpoint to that, the owners make more money off the playoff TV deal than the regular season. So when the players come back and say, like if the owners were like, yeah, maybe like June 10th we get to spring training, July 1st, July 4th we get started – you play these 82 games, we pay you less than, you know, we want to. We go in the playoffs, we wrap up regular time frame. The players are saying, we'll be ready to go June 30th. Forget your 4th of July, like, ah, you know, big, the marketing around that kickoff. Like, let's get baseball, because the narrative is that we don't want to play baseball games. Let's get baseball sooner. Let's get more of it. And let's push back the playoffs, and we'll, we could play maybe a neutral site for the World Series, whatever, whatever it may be. But the owners can't say, that doesn't work for us, because if there's a second wave of COVID, and we have a stop, and you play 100 regular season games, and we pay you for 100 regular season games, and then we get shut down, we don't get playoff money. Exactly. And like you said, they can't say it. So that's why the owners are dead set on regular season has to be done by October 1st. They want everything done by normal time, by Halloween, yeah. early November, World Series done. And, and the players are like, yeah, like you said, the players are like, let's, let's stretch it out, pay us for more games. The back and forth is going to continue. I think this goes 
another week or so. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we had – so today, I mean, we're recording this. It's 2 o'clock on Tuesday. Normally, to be totally transparent, based on the first thing we said, we are recording this earlier because – Three, four o'clock is when things have really picked up in Philly every day, and neither myself or Nick need to be tied to a computer at that time. We need to more be like worried about the safety of our families. Um, and so we don't know what will happen throughout the rest of the day, but June 1st, which was our soft date, has come and gone. Um, June 10th is out the window for spring training. Oh, yeah, no way. And that's what the owners, I I think, want, you know, if this drags on, because for 50 games, this could go another month. I was going to say the owners get more leverage the longer this goes with the 50 to 60 game thing. I mean, say they can't start till, I don't know, July 20th. Then the owners are like, boom, I guess we're doing 60. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, guys. So, yeah, they're trying to, the owners are trying to run out the clock. The players are trying to stage a two-minute drill, if you will, for a football analogy, and that's kind of where they're butting heads. And, and just the way they're doing it through the media is so annoying. Looking at these bullshit tweets and passing on SportsCenter, he said, she said, guys, just figure it out. Yeah, I think you need to – I think they, you know, they need to get in a room and just get it done at the same time. It's weird. It's weird to even focus on this with everything else going on. Like it's very, you know, riots in every major city, in every minor city. I haven't even gotten, you know, by now to. I just caught up with everything in Philly. Uh, like New York, my understanding is Midtown's destroyed. Uh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, Macy's Herald Square totally uh. looted, and it's only going to get dark again. So. You know, you hope they can figure it out, and it gives people some kind of a distraction. Uh, if it's 100 games, if it's 82 games, a lot of people are like, I think what's going to happen is they're going to come to 82, an agreement at 82, they meet in the middle, and then the players will just take a pay cut. Again, which makes no sense. Like, if you're going to pay me 70 games worth of money, then I'll play 70 games. Why would I play 82? I could just play whatever it is you're going to pay me for. If you're going to pay me to play 50 games, whether I play 50 or 82, I'm going to play the 50 because there's no reason to go out there and do extra work for free. And the players have demonstrated that they're only going to play the amount of games that, that they're paid for. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to come to a point where, all right, you know, we'll play 81 and we'll pay you for 70. Like the players have been very staunch. And sticking to that to the per game pay, and look, if the only way the owners are gonna are gonna give them the the prorated pay is to do fifty or sixty, then I guess that's what we're gonna get. But we'll get into this. It's not a baseball season. Yeah, and you know, and the big thing I just want to like kind of stress to people is the owners again are billionaires, billionaires, and I think so. I I think one thing that has really pivoted this, and it's kind of the timing of things. I think for a million dollars a team, the owners could have kept leverage. But several teams have decided to stop paying their minor leaguers. Uh, I think Oakland stopped. Uh, a couple of other teams have. So there have been cuts this week. The Yankees just cut 45 guys. And it's very it's, it's a tough time because, I mean, these guys are out of a job. Right, They're out of a job, and that stinks. There's a pandemic going on. There's not a ton of work. It's the end of a career for a lot of guys. But my understanding is most of these guys, like these guys would have gotten cut at the end of spring training anyway. They probably would have been out of, out of the game as it was. Yeah, these weren't guys that had long-term futures with the Yankees yeah. that were going to be going to the show. So, but... You know, we played the the owners played the headline game with you know, Major League Baseball owners have plan to start season, and now it's Major League Baseball owners are firing people, and then the Nationals, in one of the dumbest ideas, decided to cut a bunch of people. Which the cutting it stinks, but like I understand it. You're just you're going about your business. If you're not good enough at your job, well, I'm not going to pay you. You know, to do it. Um. They decided to give everyone a 25% pay cut in the minor leagues. Instead of paying them $400 a week, we're going to pay them $300 a week. 
And then Sean Doolittle organized where the major league players were like, we're going to pay the difference. And then the owners were like, all right, I guess we'll pay it because they were getting so much negative press. Um, so that, from a public standpoint, the owners look awful right now. So they kind of have to agree to something. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was the first step of somebody caving, and it was the owners caving a little bit to finally agreeing to prorated pay. And what's really stupid about the national situation is, let's remember, they all got World Series bonuses. The front office guys, ownership gets a bonus, the players all get a bonus, all those championship t-shirts, those guys are flush with cash. So they should be the last team of any of the teams to be giving pay cuts to the minor leaguers. And I think it's embarrassing for owners when the players, whether it be David Price in L.A. saying, I'll pay for the minor leaguers, or whether it be Doolittle saying that he'll help. I think it's embarrassing for the owners to have players say this when the players have way less money than the owners, and they're willing to help. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're there's a narrative that the players are greedy, right? You know, they, they won't give you 82 games for 25% salary because they don't love baseball, and they're not out there to play and entertain you. At the same time, these guys are saying, I'm not getting a paycheck right now. I'm going out of my pocket to donate money. Uh, so like the David Price thing, he's giving every player $1,000 for – Every player in the Dodgers system, right? Yeah, in the month of June. He's just going to give them 1000 So it's you know probably like 200 guys, $200,000, something like that. Guy not getting a paycheck right now. I mean, how how can you say that he looks bad? And he tried to keep it quiet, too. It got leaked. So, and then maybe the leaks on purpose, like, who knows? But how can these guys be bad guys if they're trying to help out the people who went through the system before them? Because we talked about last week with, like, hazing and stuff. The you got to go through it because I went through it. They're doing the kind of the opposite, going, you, I went through this. You, you're going through this. Let me help you. And then you don't even know how many things like this would happen in the event that there was a season – and guys, you know, were hardly going to buy. I mean, I use Miguel and Duhar as the thing, you know, making 200 grand to live in New York City is tough to do um, and live a major league baseball lifestyle. Who knows who would be helping who? Right, exactly. And like you said, Price isn't getting a paycheck. Price has also never stepped on the field for the Dodgers. He doesn't know any of these guys, which makes it even more awesome. And look, I never thought I'd be sitting here saying I got to tip my cap to David Price, but I hope, I you're, I hope, your, awesome I hope your dad hears this. He might disown you. <laughs> <laughs> Love bagging on price, you know, in the in the past, but this was an awesome move, and it's good publicity. It's good publicity for the players here. Um, gained some leverage, and you know, I think we saw the owners cave a little bit yesterday, and that was the first step. But clock's still ticking. I, I still think we're looking at more like mid July. This whole June tenth, July first thing is not enough time. No, and so that is, I think that was the goal, right? And I, Trevor Plouffe had it first. And there were a lot of people who jumped on, like, there we go, baseball, June 10th, July 4th. Um, and then there were some of it, like, me included, who were like, yeah, that's probably what he's hearing. But that's not going to happen. It just was never going to happen that way. And, you know, within the baseball Twitter sphere, there is, you know, people like, oh, like, look, they're negotiating for it, like, Ploof was right, and it's like, well, negotiate. I mean, in theory, they're negotiating for to start tomorrow. Every day, they're negotiating to start tomorrow. So, um, I'm sure he had good sources because that's what they were working at. But we're not getting to that end goal just yet. Right, we're not that close yet. And if you think about it, it's been about a four to five day gap in between proposals. The union will propose something, then five days later, the owners will come back with a counter proposal. So, with getting that word yesterday, you'd think maybe, okay, maybe this weekend. Saturday, Sunday, we'll, we'll get another update. It's been about a four to five day kind of turnover on those updates. Yeah, I mean, it, with it being Tuesday, I feel like a lot of stuff happens on Tuesday nights for some reason. Because I, I feel like every time the podcast comes out, we're like, fuck, we just missed that. We missed it, yeah. And, um, but yeah, we're probably in for a couple of days. And I don't know where these negotiations are happening, I guess, in New York City. And yeah, these guys are safe and everything, you know, there's security, but. Again, like you're, you know, they're not sitting in a, you know, in a conference room at a Days Inn in Iowa where nothing's happening. You know, right. you've got Tony Clark, Tony Clark is, I believe Tony Clark's black, right? I mean, um, former former Yankee first baseman. Yeah, but I just didn't know if like he's part Spanish or anything like that. Oh, okay. But like, yeah, um, 
negotiating this against the white owned league with a race very, riot, race war going on outside. Very symbolic. Very symbolic, man. Um, and I think that helps in the players' favor. And at the end of the day, I think we all just want baseball. I think everyone wants to see the players get paid what they deserve, wants to watch something on TV, and you know, and, and just get a little bit of relief from everything going on in the world because we've there's just so we've just got things piling on top of each other. You know, January was World War Three. Then it's like UFOs are real, global pandemic. Race wars, like when do we find out vampires are real? You know, it's got to be coming. It's been a crazy year. And last week you said you were a 3 out of 10 on a confidence level for baseball. I said 6 out of 10. My question is where do you stand today with this latest update? And I'll tell you that right after I tell you about Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going into our ex- going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in our $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling The Final Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So go to betonline.ag, type in BLUEWIRE, you get a welcome bonus, play some bets. You know you're itching to do it. We're all itching to, to bet a little bit. And, uh, you know, sports are sports are close. So, all right, so where do I stand right now? I was a three last week, and you were a six. Mm-hmm. So I think we are going to get something. I don't think what we're going to get is what I would call a baseball season. I am... Nine out of ten, we're going to get something. Wow, so you jumped up a lot. Or maybe eight. Eight. Let's okay. say eight. Yeah, it's still a big jump. Because everyone's saying, like, hey, we want to do something. 50 games is not a baseball season. 50 games is a baseball season if you're 17. Right, in high school. No, and, I, and I've been a big proponent of no matter what happens, if we win, we're the World Series champions. And I'll, I'll believe that whether it's one game. And I actually wrote an article today that I think will drop tomorrow about how a 50-game season would be really bad for the Yankees, the way our roster's built, the way we generally get off to slow starts. And just by baseball is built on the foundation of a large sample size, this completely wipes it away, and there's a lower chance of the cream rising to the top. We're the cream. So it doesn't help us. Yeah, uh, that's the great thing about baseball is water finds its level. I said it a billion times last season. Water always finds its level. Uh, but you don't get an opportunity to find your level in that, you know, in that short span. I think also we're dealing with, um, there's still a global pandemic going on, right? And we are now eight days, nine days out of Memorial Day weekend. So this is really when things would pop up if there were other waves from people going, you know, around here, going to the beach, stuff like that. We saw that party at Lake of the Ozarks, and uh, someone from there tested positive, but I haven't heard about a billion people testing positive yet. I don't think corona just disappeared. Uh, I don't know if maybe more of us have gotten antibodies or, or what it is. So the hope is that between Memorial Day weekend, between all of the protesting that's going on, between uh, the rioting that's going on, because it's a totally separate thing, there are a lot of people in t- you know close proximity to each other. We could see things really bad soon, health-wise. Uh, we could see nothing happen, health-wise. And if things are really bad, it could stop all the progress that we have towards having a season, right? At the same time, things are. If what if things are good? What if we've, you know, essentially without a vaccine, we've almost beaten Corona. What about like getting people back in the stadiums in September? I would love it, but I just don't see any way there's going to be fans at all this year. Do you? You think we have a shot at that? I feel like that's already, I, I feel like that's already out. 
Yeah, I don't think it's a very good shot. Like, okay. you know, a 1%, 2% chance. But you know someone's going to angle for it. Or at least, like, people who are like, yo, like, it hasn't been bad in Kansas City. Or, you know, wherever it hasn't been bad. You know, why can't we have some fans? You know, at the Trop. What if the, you know, the Trop, I guess, you know, it's indoors, so who knows. But they're just like, yeah, we could do, you know, 2,000 people. You know, it'll increase attendance from a regular game. So maybe that's a thing. It's it's definitely a, a reach, but... It's a reach, but the Randy Levines of the world would definitely be pushing for that. And that would just be another competitive disadvantage for the Yankees because we'd probably be the last team that would be allowed to have fans in. And, and you know, a lot of those small market teams would be able to have fans. So just another <laughs> another disadvantage, you know, coming our way out of the system. Yeah. So I, I don't know if we're going to get that. I think they still have stuff to figure out on the testing and making people feel safe. They have things to figure out with opt-outs of people who are, um, you know, at a high risk. You know, I think the the player's proposal had, if someone is high risk, they get to sit out and they get paid. If you're not high risk, you have the option to sit out. You won't get paid, though. Uh, if you have a family member at home who's high risk, you can sit out and you, you can get paid. And then you get into all the medical stuff, um, you know, whose doctor's doing what. I'm sure there'd be some case of someone being like, ah, my wife's got asthma, I can't. And then the doctor's like, you know, the doctor says that, but then, like, the team doctor's like, no, they're fine. I'm like, it, it's not going to just be smooth sailing. But you hope it is. You know, you hope it comes around. And you hope that, you know, these guys, and, and they've got to figure out the taxi squad and how that's going to work and, and really all this shit. So there's still a lot to figure out. Everyone got hung up on the money. And it, the money might just not be an issue. It'll just be 50 games, and the players have already agreed that they'll show up. If they don't show up, they're in breach of contract. Yeah, they'll have to show up, and like you said, you have to give everybody options, right? Whether it's opting out, whether it's, you know, I'm not going to play and I'm not going to get paid, or with a special circumstance, I'm going to opt out and I'm still going to get paid. As long as you give everybody options and you give them a few days to kind of come to a conclusion on what they're going to do responsibly, you know, that's all you can really do from, from the league's perspective on, on player safety there. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy. The world's so crazy right now. It's like it's honestly it's tough to focus on any of this stuff. It is. It's tough to focus on work. It's tough to focus on this. It's so funny. I was thinking about it. Like when we were back at Kavanaugh's and you asked me to do this podcast, I was like, Man, I'm gonna be on every Wednesday. The Yankees will be ten games up. I'll be chirping about Garrett Cole or DJ LeMayhew in the MVP race or something. I did not think I'd be talking about <laughs> about any of the stuff that we've discussed this year. It's it's been a wild ride for sure. Yeah, it is it's been such an adventure. So my paternity leave is coming to an end. Yeah, you got to go back to work. I go back to work on Monday. Oh, I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, this is my last, like, I mean, I've been incredibly lucky to be off for this whole time. And to be, but to not only be off, but, like, to be employed, getting a paycheck. Um, But, yeah, no, and now it's just like, oh, and the world's on fire. <laughs> It's Are you excited, a little bit anxious, you want to get back to it? I, If I could just go back to work and everything else was like normal, like in a second, you know, it's me being off for all of this has been very helpful because we have the baby. Now next week, starting Monday, my wife and I have to pass the baby back and forth, you know, hey, when do you have a call? When do you have a call? Like we have now, you know, we have our work calendars. We have our team calendars for our work. And then we have our own joint calendar so we know when each other have meetings. You know, like when you're trying to schedule a meeting, you need your manager to be at. And you're yeah, like, oh, yeah. I got to look at his calendar. We have to look at each other's calendars and be like, oh, do you have a meeting? I can't schedule a meeting for 2 o'clock because you have a meeting at 2 o'clock. I, I got to watch the baby. A lot more coordination going on. Yeah, and so you that, two, yeah. you know, that's going to be tough. It's going to be an adjustment. We don't know when daycare is going to open. Plus – Daycare was supposed to be by my wife's job, which is an hour from here, or you know, forty-five minutes without traffic. Uh, we're not going to drive there and then come back. So, do we look for a different daycare? At the same time, I mean, obviously, with everything going on, I'm I live on Zillow. Oh, I'm sure. Is this accelerating the process at all? The I may not finish my process. lease. Yeah, I may not finish my lease. I, I was going to say. 
like it's just you know it stinks, but I've got a lease till the end of March. Like I might be getting out of that a little early. Yeah, and still looking at still looking at different neighborhoods and open to different things. Yeah, I mean it, it's all you can do is just you know try to see like what's out there that makes sense. Try not to jump to a like oh well I'll take this you know just to take it kind of thing. It's this whole thing sucks sucks so much. Um, what else has gone on in baseball? Really, like nothing in baseball has gone yeah, on. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not much. I mean, we've talked about player injury updates. It sounds like Judge still isn't isn't swinging about. Well, the one thing I'll say is, can you imagine if this was a regular season and and Judge hadn't played a Judge wouldn't have hadn't played a game yet. Like that is crazy to me. And people in March were talking about, yeah, you might still be ready for opening day. Like it's very concerning. I know there's more important things, yada yada yada. But this is a Yankees podcast. Yeah, it's still, it's still concerning to me that this guy still can't swing a bat in June. And if Stanton missed three games, people would be like, "Can't believe this fucking guy." Well, yeah, exactly. And we've talked about Yankee fans being a little bit uh, prejudiced towards hired guns. You know, compared to the homegrown guys, the homegrown guys generally don't get any criticism. It's the higher guns that, you know, you're expected to come in. And if you don't, like we said about Stanton, if you don't win the MVP, you had a bad season. Same thing with A-Rod. I mean, so let's start, let's start talking dates. So June 15th, June, no, July 15th, July 20th, whatever it is, right? The season starts. What or again? It's not a season. I I hope they don't call it the World Series. They're gonna call it the World Series because they need it for branding. And the World Series is America and all that shit. It should be another thing this year. I I still want to see. I disagree. I still want it to be called the World Series. We've gone through so much so much shit just to get to this point. Just to get baseball, it's gonna feel so rewarding if we can win. I know the number of games is low, but damn, don't don't take this away from me. Don't put an asterisk next to it. Well, I mean. There's an asterisk next to it. There is. There is. I mean, how is there not? Because it's less than half a season. It like is, that, but will you not? Will you still not be super pumped if we're the last team standing and they're spraying champagne on each other? And yeah, but it's a different pump. We want a different thing. So you won't say we have 28. You won't. You won't say. So that's so that's my problem. So I don't really say 27. <laughs> Because okay. my whole like I'm not like 27 rings, bro. As to make fun of those guys, I always say 26 rings in a pocket watch. Because the first because one, the first one yeah, right, it's yeah. a pocket watch. Um, so I was thinking about this yesterday because you know I have a lot of free time to think about shit. Sure. Uh, it'd be weird because I wouldn't you know claim 28, but then like when we win the next one, it is 29. Like you can't be like, no, we're only 28 when we've got 29. Interesting. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. I just, I mean, I, I'm just going to need something to be excited about, and I've already convinced myself that it. Uh, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be excited when they win. I'm going to be pumped because they won. I'm excited when they win every game. But it's just not the same thing. Like, there's part of, like, the baseball is the marathon, and there's just not the marathon. And, you know, I've brought it up before with all the health concerns and stuff. Being the Yankees, being in New York City – is the biggest disadvantage. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's a disadvantage because of, like, media and things like that and nightlife and all the distractions, you know, and not everyone's made from New York. But whether it's COVID, whether it's what's going on in the world right now, there's just more risk. And if someone goes out one night or one day or whatever it is in August or, God forbid, in September – Get sick. We all of a sudden lose like five guys because they're sick for two weeks. That's awful. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about with the 50 game season. And and I wrote about it today. You know, in 162 game season, Judge misses 50 games. It's like, oh, whatever. You know, we'll Clint Frazier will fill in and we'll, and we'll be fine. If Judge misses 50 games in a 50 game season, you know, you, you do the math. So every injury is way more magnified, and none of our best players, other than LeMahieu, really, can really stay healthy. So let me ask you this. If Aaron Judge, July 15th, 20th, whatever, is not ready to go, I mean, we've got to turn on him, right? I would, I would tell him to get the surgery, dude. If, if you, The whole three, four months, if there wasn't enough time, what is he? And they're still going to be like, well, maybe August, maybe September. At some point, you just got to take care of it. And I feel like they're holding out this blind hope. And, and it's not really healing. 
And what is the recovery time? It was what six months. Yes, yeah, six months happened, in, but this is where it gets money. The injury happened I mean, from in September. Sur- from surgery. From surgery, yes, yeah, six months. So at, at this point, surgery means he's done for for 2020. And now you've got to start thinking about 2021. What if he waits till October to have the surgery? And now now we're talking about this next year. It's like, when is it going to end? That's what I was getting at. Is yeah, I mean, if it's if it gets to be like July 1st, and they're like, ah, maybe August. Like, do you just tell them like, dude, just shut it down. Shut it down. Be ready in January so you can get a good like a good workup for the next season. It's like at some point you have to just cut your losses instead of just waiting and waiting and holding out blind hope, and, and you have to face reality. I mean, this is a is a broken rib, fractured rib, or whatever. This isn't a normal baseball injury that that kind of happens a lot. And and I'll keep saying it. it happened in September. I mean, we're coming up on a year, <laughs> like, and we're still not there. At some point, the rubber's got to meet the road. So let's say. Let's say Judge comes back, right, and he plays 35 games, right? He'll miss a little bit of time, you know, or there'll be something else that comes up. He gets 35 games in. We have the playoffs. He plays well, wins, you know, we win whatever this is. And then next season, he's got another, like, you know, every year he's good for a 30-game injury or something. Like, like at what point is it just like, hey, you're an injury-prone guy? And at what point do we look to get value back for him? See, I'm not I'm not ever going to get to the point that I think we should trade him. Um, I would rather ride him out, I think, because I think we control him through his age 31 season or so. I'd rather, you know, get his 29 season, his 30 season, his 31 season, and maybe you just let him walk and, and take the draft pick. At, at age 32. Um, it, it's kind Who of, knows? Well, if the, would, dra- the draft pick it. might not be tied by then. Because the CBA, I think it's a big thing they're trying to get rid of after seeing guys you know, sit out. That's true. I just can't trade him to, while, we're in the middle of a, while we're in the middle of a championship window. I, I, I can't do it. He's too important. The fans love him. I do think he's important to kind of the spirit of Yankee Stadium. And I know that sounds corny, but, I mean, we've talked about it. When he comes up to the plate... People stand up. People get off their phones. Like they pay attention more so than any other player in our lineup, and I do think that's important. Now I know you can't quantify that, but I value that still. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. After this, he would be. We've got two more years of control after this season. Okay, so we'll have his third. So this is supposed to be his twenty-eight season. Yep. So we'll have twenty-nine and thirty. So he he hits the market at age thirty. Yeah. You know, I try to get him to sign a four to five year deal at that point. I still want him around, but I, for how I much? What's he deal. worth? Twenty five, twenty five, thirty a year for four years. I mean, give him one hundred and twenty five million or something. Five million dollars. We're over. Well, look, we're overpaying a bit, but for his one hundred and ten, hundred and twenty games, you know, he's still hitting twenty eight homers. He's still playing elite defense. It's like we're still getting something for that. Dude, he's a fifteen million dollar a year player right now. Because, like, we haven't – we get very caught up on 2017. Yeah, and I used to be the biggest defender, especially in 2018. You know, I always told everybody that would listen, he got hit on the wrist. He got hit on the wrist. There's nothing he could have done. But then the the oblique was bad because the oblique kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he just swung. It wasn't like he slipped or he ran into a wall. Like, he just he just swung and was out for, for two months. And then and then this rib thing, and I'm more – I'm more just frustrated with him that he that he didn't get it taken care of in the off season. Like that, it's more the mental side of me. It's like this was really preventable. To a certain extent, like we want every guy that comes along like him to be Derek Jeter to handle themselves like Derek Jeter, and you wonder like is that how Derek Jeter would have handled himself? And that's a great point. I do think Derek would have done the same thing during the season. I think he would have taken the quarter zone shot just like Judge did and played through the postseason. But as soon as Altuve's ball lands and the season ends, you know, you got to go full CSI. Multiple MRIs, multiple CAT scans, whatever the case. You have four to five months where you don't have any commitments. That's where you take care of it. And he's showing up to spring training. You know, I think it, it hurts a little bit. Or that, that was what was frustrating. It's like, dude, you had all winter with nothing going on. You know what's kind of funny is in 2004, Jason Bay won the Rookie of the Year award. Um, and then the next season, and he stayed, there's a guy who stayed healthy, put up some decent numbers, hit 300, hit 306 the next year. 
um, ended up signing a big contract that people ended up like disliking. And if you go on uh, baseball reference, similar batters through 27, Jason Bay's number one. It's depressing when you bring up him and Richie Sexton, you know, compare them to David Justice. Would you pay $25 million for David Justice? No, but none of those guys. I mean, I mean, what do you think of this? Don't you feel like Judge has some sort of impact a little bit off the field? And I know it sounds corny. But Aaron Judge gets hit by a car tomorrow, and I'm still going to Yankee Stadium. He doesn't draw me, me to the fucking stadium. Now, maybe some kids. He does draw kids. But, like, we talk about, you know, he's a fan. He's in commercials. Like, the Yankees don't make money off those commercials. He makes the Pepsi money. The Yankees make money from winning World Series. You win World Series, you need players on the field. No, you're, you're right, man. It's definitely it's definitely concerning. Like, the rib would have been one thing if he would have been fine in May. But I remember when we were originally arguing this in February or March, and you were doing the whole, I'm not that worried. It's February. It's March. And I was worried, you know. And, look, he's still not, he's still not here. So we kind of had reason I just don't get him. upset in February. Can't do it. Can't do it to myself. Yeah. He, but I think he's just a slow healer. I mean, that's that's clear. Remember the wrist. They said there's three more weeks. to heal. There's more of him to heal, which is an issue. Players of his size do not have long careers. There have been other big players. You've got Randy Johnson as a pitcher. You've got Chris Young as a pitcher. Like, it's very different when you're a pitcher than running out there, jumping in the walls and stuff. The best comparison to that and who's had the longest career, Richie Sexton. And what about, I mean, this is more your time, but Dave Winfield, he, he played for a while, didn't he? And wasn't he 6'6"? Six, six? Dave Winfield, in my time, why, Dave Winfield's like my dad's time. <laughs> like, hold on, when did Dave Winfield retire? Like, I know Dave Winfield retired while I was, like, alive. Dave Winfield <laughs> played until 1995. Dave Winfield came up in 1973. That's 12 years before <laughs> I'm... It, well, so he played 22 years at 6'6". Six, six. So maybe Judge needs to go talk to him. He played yeah. 22 seasons? Yeah. Played right field? Played 40 until he was 43. There was a lot of DHing at the end there. Would a, you, a do lot you, what do you think about transitioning him to first or trans, full-time DH eventually? I mean, we can't really do it because we already Stan's already supposed to be you know, the, the full-time, so full-time DH. So I've talked about the idea that – so Judge's – Aaron Judge, when healthy – Everything is caveat with when healthy, is a an elite defender. He's got a great arm. He moves well for a big man. He moves well for anyone, right? Not just for a big man. His size, we always say that, you know, for a big man. But he moves well. But at a certain point, in the same way you move catchers from behind the plate, do you move, like, what's more valuable, his glove and his arm or his bat? Can we keep – like, he doesn't dive for that ball if he's playing first base. If he's such a good athlete, he can learn to play first base. He's a he becomes a huge target, an absolutely huge target for the infielders. Um, he's a leader, so he can be an infield leader. It's tough to be a leader, a field leader from right field. That's that's a good point. You know? So yeah. he's now – he's definitely – he's the first guy – to get to the dugout at home games, to, you know, give everyone the high fives. He could play more games. He could be healthier for longer. And at a certain point, like, I don't know that this is the injury that does it. And part of it is, like, if we were playing baseball games, I wouldn't even bring up any of this stuff, but we're just trying to fill airtime here. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's something you've got to consider. Absolutely, and people will talk about, I hear it a lot, you know, we should move Sanchez to first base, and, and I've always been against that because my saying is, okay, now we got Higgy behind the plate in the lineup every day, and now we have an automatic out. I think it makes way more sense to move Judge to first base than it does to Sanchez because, look, it's really easy. We could find another right fielder. In fact, we got one on the roster. We got seven of them. His name's Giancarlo Stan. Slide right into right field. And you move Judge the first, whereas it is a lot harder to find another catcher that's going to hit 30 bombs than it is to find another solid right fielder. So just based on the positional value, to me, makes way more sense to move Judge the first than it does Gary. If you put Hicks in center, Stanton in right, and then whether it's, I mean, who knows? Clint, Clint Gardner combo, let's say. Yeah. In left. And judge at first base, and I'm not even talking about for this year. I'm talking about, you know, what value can we get back for, you know, trading Luke Voigt 
or something like that, and you keep Ford as a backup, or maybe yeah. add Duhart. Like it's so crazy because we have no idea like what this team is. It's been so long since they played baseball. I, I know it's hard to remember, and, and look, a lot half these guys didn't really even play last year, like yeah. like Duhar, and and it's like we have all these we have all these puzzle pieces, and we're still looking at the at the puzzle, like all right, where does everybody where does everybody fit? I mean, and Duhar and Clint, you know, can and Duhar play corner outfield? I know that was discussed. I know he was messed around with that in spring training, so a lot of moving parts. Yeah, I think for Judge for his future, I mean, first base, it's got to be. If he comes back and he and we have a 50 game season, and he plays like 45 of them, 40 of them. Like the ones that he doesn't play, he just doesn't play because like they're sitting him. Yeah. Um, and he plays well, then like fine. But if he's not ready to start this season, if he misses more time in this season, or like his first injury next season, you gotta in the off season. Like I gotta hear about Brian Hoke being like, did you see Aaron Judge has a first baseman since spring training? He should. To not do that, like, every player, just give every player a first baseman, right? So it's not a big deal when they show up with it. Everyone to take some grounders at first. Like, I think if I was a major league baseball player and I played the outfield, I would take some grounders at first. Like, you're making yourself more valuable. I remember Bryce Harper tried to do that. Yes. He tried to do that when he was going to be a free agent, and he asked to do it when the Yankees were in town. Uh, I do remember that. And his manager was just like, no, I'm not going to let you on. It was when he showed up clean-shaven. We had a two-game series. He showed up clean-shaven and was like, can I play some first base? And it's like, Tex was like, I'm going to retire tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, wow. That's a good memory. No, I do remember that. Yeah, first base. And I've always thought from just playing baseball, first base seems like pretty much the easiest position on the field. I mean, you really don't have to, you really don't have to throw any ground ball. You can kind of just knock down and step on the base and then you catch the throw from the infielders. Obviously you got to learn how to scoop, but it doesn't require a ton of athleticism or skill compared to shortstop, the outfield, middle infield or whatever. So you'd think judge would be able to make a pretty easy transition. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I'd like to say it. We need something to get excited about. I know, right? It just just talking about these guys got me excited for a second. And you know, like we said, we have we have a judge clone almost in stands. So moving him around, it stands really way more comfortable in right field. Yeah, I was. I thought all along Stanton should have been the right fielder. A judge should have moved to left field. So okay, so late. So when we acquire Stanton 2017 offseason, you were thinking move Judge to left and let Stanton stay in his home. Yeah. Because, one, like, that's where he's more comfortable. He's getting paid more money. He's got more of a career. He's the veteran. He hits more home runs. Like, all those things. You can move. You're more of marketing. You move the judges' chambers over, whatever the hell you got to do. Like, do that. Uh, judges younger, more athletic, like, can cover more ground. Like, should have been able to make that adjustment where Stanton ended up looking lost at times as he adjusted. No, you're exactly right. I mean, Judge has even played two games for the Yankees in center field on an occasion in, in 2018. So you know he can cover the ground in left. That that shouldn't be a problem. And you know what? It's interesting. That could just be a Yankee philosophy, how they had. You know, they had A-Rod move to third, and they kept Jeter there. Maybe they just believe in leaving their incumbent guy. No, I mean, there's different between you're trying to move Derek Jeter, you know, three-fifths of the way through his Hall of Fame career, and Aaron Judge, who hit a lot of home runs one year. It's a stretch of a comparison. Uh, I just noticed that it was that it was similar because I mean, how many people have you seen that said you know Jeter should have moved to second or Jeter should have moved to third? Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of people said, but that was you know that was a special circumstance, and that was Jeter saying I'm not going to do it. You know, right? See, I think Judge would be open to playing. Would be open to playing. Judge, wherever. well, that's what I'm saying. At that point in his career, just feel like yeah, happy to have him. Like happy coming to have off a rookie. Let's do this. Yeah. Right, and I know that Cashman called Judge before he pulled the trigger on Stanton to you know to get his blessing, get his permission. Um, now I'm sure he would have been. I'm sure he would have been cool. And then Hicks, our other injury prone outfielder, hopefully he's good to go. Man, these guys just got to be. These guys just got to be healthy and play because they miss three weeks in a 50 game season. We're, we're all of a sudden we're on life support. Yeah, I mean if we're looking at a late <laughs> July, like beginning of August, start to the season, I anticipate Aaron Hicks being our starting center fielder. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Like he one hundred percent should be. By that point, I anticipate Stanton being ready to go. Judge, I don't know. Judge is the only one who it's like, who knows? I expect everyone else who isn't out for like, you know, Seve's out for the year. Everyone who's not just out for the year, you know, you're done. Um, yeah, it's just Judge. Watch it end up being whatever the amount of games that um, – what's his face? Why am I blanking on his name right now? The wife beater on our team? Uh, Chapman? No. Herman? No, no, the other one. Herman, the other yes, one. yeah. <laughs> Forgot we have two. <laughs> the other one. Damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. If Herman, like... Oh, I forgot about Herman. Yeah, we're not getting yeah, him back. He's got, he's got 63 games. So he's so out for the season. <laughs> oh, my God. They have said any suspensions would be up after the season, regardless of length. I'm, I'm just brainstorming here. What if it's... Let's say they play 60 games. He's got a 63-game suspension. Is Playoffs, he coming baby. back? ALDS game four? I mean... Domingo yeah. Herman takes the ball. Yes, possibly. Right, because that because I know they count they counted the playoff games that he missed towards the eighty one. Yeah. So I believe he could still count playoff games. I mean, how bizarre would that be if he just shows up, at, you know, in the ALCS or something? Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll end up with extended. Well, it'll be extended playoffs too. It'll be extended right. playoffs because the players. Can we talk also- about that? Can we talk about that for a second? The, yeah. the, the extended playoff thing. That really worries me with the 50 games because, you know, over 162, the Yankees probably pull away and end up as the one seed in the American League. But with this, there's a good chance that we won't be the one seed and that we're going to get stuck in one of these three-game series against the White Sox or, or the Twins or something. And, I mean, look, we're better than those teams, but anything can happen in a little three-game series. That really worries me, too. Yeah, I mean, it's the, – the playoffs – like, the playoffs is a thing that they're going to expand anyway because that's where the owners make their money, and they're going to make more money that way. That's why, you know, they're – let us keep that, you know, we determine the amount of games. Um, dude, I got this new gamer chair. I am just, like, laid back. Yeah, you're chilling. I am. Like, I kind of feel like the like the fat South Park guy. Um, <laughs> so they are going to get – yeah, I mean, they the extra playoffs are coming. We're and going, it's permanent. That's part of this thing is that that's going to be moving forward this well, year, no, next it, year. It would be this year, next year, then they go to – then technically in the CBA, the CBA would come up and they'd have to – because that's the thing. Like this isn't – they're just trying to get back on the field, and then they have to start talking again. For a long term, yeah. They got to they got to agree to a short-term deal on a long-term but deal. Yeah, they got I, a lot of work I think it will be permanent. I think it's going to be something we have to adjust just to. Get used to. Yeah, and just get used to it. Um, the – we don't know about how, like, the other stuff would work this year, like Universal DH and, and shit like that. I do know that, you know, when the players came back with their thing, they were like, you can defer up to $100 million in payroll uh, for two years, and, like, you can almost, like, pick and choose, you know, where you do that. Um, and players, you know, players would be down with it. But, yeah, it's all about it's all about money, and it seems like the money thing, because the owners, in theory, could just be like, yeah, we're going to play a 20-game season. We're going to pay you for 20 games, but we're going to do a full playoffs. Uh, you know, they have where the right, money is. Like they have the right to do that. Money is. Yeah, because that's when you get the whole world to watch. And that's why they need to go to the Olympics. Right. The, the whole Olympic argument, we, we've come full circle. Bring the yeah, the, three, the three-game series, man, that, that really that really worries me. I mean, Yeah, I mean, three games at home against, like, a hot White Sox team that snuck in. Like, that's dangerous. It is very dangerous. I mean, we saw we saw the Yankees go down three nothing to the Twins in that wild card game. Luckily, you know, we we stormed back. But I mean, anything can happen. I mean, if they lose game one, all of a sudden it's they're up against elimination. That's what if why we it's split scary. the first two and then Herman comes back for <laughs> game three? His triumphant return gets it oh, done. Man. That'd be something. It's crazy. It's cra- oh man, the world is fucking nuts. It is. We're we're kind of close though. We're kind of close to having real baseball discussions every week, which we haven't gotten to. Anything, so I just don't have to watch the news every night. Yeah, it's it's been brutal. I've never been a news person, and I just have the news on all day. Jamie had it on all night last night. I was like, I, I gotta watch something else. Like, I can't. It's just it's driving. You have me to, I mean, for us, I went. The only time I didn't watch is when I went on my roof to watch the helicopters in my neighborhood. And then I was watching on my phone because I was like, yo, are they coming this way? Like, that's what – I mean, 
like I said, if you go and do either Fishtown or hashtag Fishtown and see the craziness that's going on, like, two blocks from my house. It's nuts. Uh, I don't know, man. Hopefully we get some, some fucking baseball. We hope that, you know, and again, hey, if there's a deal, we'll get on and talk about it. We will at any time. And thanks to everybody that continues to tune in when there's no there's no baseball games and hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get um, – if someone just sends this to the league and it's just like, hey, if you get a deal done, these guys will do a podcast. Maybe that's incentive enough. That'll do it. Manfred will be like, oh, here we go. Oh, I didn't realize they would do an extra episode <laughs> of George's Box. My bad. Uh, I don't know, man. Listen, you can follow Nick on Twitter at nkirbyny. You can follow me at JJ from the Bronx on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us, and I mean, we're updating what's going on here in uh, in Philly. Uh, Nick is right, like you live so. Everyone who has seen everyone's seen Rocky, and he runs. You know, everyone, Philly. Everyone knows the Rocky steps. Sure, I would say you are. 500 yards from the rocky step maybe a little more because it's like that's about right as the crow flies as they say yeah um 12 15 minute walk yeah but so so you got a lot going on right outside your building yeah the national guard was was chilling right next door yesterday that was a little weird we had the helicopters and then we had the tear gas was kind of wafting up to the balcony Uh, and jamie was like you got to come inside i was on the balcony listening to music jamie's like you got to come inside there's there's tear gas coming up. It's like, oh, just another day in Philly. Yeah. It's, uh, pizza stinks. The bagels aren't that good. Race wars. <laughs> that's it. And that's what it is. I mean, the looting, like, in, like, at least where I live, like, it's straight up a race war. There's just N-bombs everywhere. Yeah, the Fishtown locals walking around with bats and axes wearing the Nick Foles jerseys, man. Those guys are scary. It's, Yeah. Dude, fucking terrifying. The guys who have tactical gear and are just standing on roofs with AR-15s. Like, I could go on my roof deck and just, like, now I'm looking around for guys with guns. It's are there crazy. cops, like, rolling around Fishtown? No. Well, no, dude, because it's a fucking white neighborhood. What, are you kidding me? Dude, the cops, so the, the Black Lives Matter protesters who are doing peaceful protesting mm-hmm. were organized to go up Girard Avenue to the Fishtown Police Precinct, and they were going to protest outside of there. My understanding, and I take everyone at face value, they were going to peacefully protest, you know. There, I don't think, I don't believe, especially in this neighborhood, that there was going to be a need for riot gear or anything like that. And then, and so word got around about that. And the people who live here decided it's time to get our bats, axes, machetes, and guns and go, and they stood out in front of the police precinct and said, the police can't defend themselves, so we're here to do it. And um, there were local people who live in the neighborhood who went out to, like, I'm going to join this protest and just stand there, you know, with a sign that says Black Lives Matter, like white older women, mm-hmm. just trying to show, like, our neighborhood is not that bad, not knowing that these other guys are doing this. Yeah. And um, they straight up, like, ripping signs out of, like, old women's hands and just yelling, like, God. uh Bring that F, you know, as a gay slur, stuff around the corner. I'll fight you one-on-one. Offering the fight a lady one-on-one. You Classic. Can, you can hear the Percocet in their voice as they talk. <laughs> it's, I've heard them called uh, Philbillies. Oh, my God. That's and, great. I mean, and then, like, there was one guy who, like, someone threw a bat at the protesters. They didn't even make it all the way here. And one of them did something and then took off and then the cops, like, grabbed him, uh, grabbed the black guy. And people were yelling at him like, the cops just saved your life. Like, they would have killed that guy. And the sun was still out. So, we'll see. We will see what goes on. But hey, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, Like Nick said, with no baseball news, uh, I appreciate you listening to any of our, like, I guess it's, I don't think it's political, but, like, talking about that, it feels weird to ignore it and pretend it's not going on, especially when it is, for Nick and I, it's literally outside our doors um, every day. So just, it's such a shitty time. Like, treat each other well. If you're going to protest, go out there and protest peacefully. Wear masks. Social distance when you can, just to keep yourself, uh, you know, physically healthy and keep other people healthy. Uh, if you see someone trying to turn a uh, peaceful protest into something violent, uh, try to step in and, and talk some sense into them. Don't put yourself at risk, but try to help out uh, and see what you can do. We uh, 
we appreciate all of you. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's out there having their voices heard. We appreciate the good police, you know, all of those things. Um, but we're going to have a baseball season, and maybe there'll be a parade. And if there's a parade, we'll see you at it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.